0: This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through 2 Timothy.
1: Real love is calling,
0: listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise.
1: Some people just need to come to their senses because the reality is some people are under the influence of, of the devil. And... May God help us not to be that kind of person who is fallen under the trap of the devil and being taken captive to do his will. May we strive always to live lives that are working at our salvation in holiness and in godliness, wanting to please our commanding officer.
0: Instead of living to please people, live to please the Lord. Today, you learn from Pastor Gary's message to keep focused in serving the Lord with your whole heart. This dark world can be full of deception and distractions. It's important that as a follower of Jesus Christ that you stay anchored in Him. Pastor Gary encourages you to keep in fellowship with the Lord each day. Seek to please the Lord alone and to live to serve and honor Him. Shine His light that's within you everywhere that you go. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection.
1: But he adds in verse 12, if we disown Him, He will disown us. And that's not inconsistent with what Jesus said in in Matthew chapter ten, verses thirty-two and thirty-three. Jesus said, If you acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge you before my father in heaven. But if you deny me, at New King James ESV uses the word disown, if you deny or disown me before men, I will deny you before my father which is in heaven. And so he just restates that. If we if we disown him, if we claim we don't know him, then he won't claim to know us. In verse 13, if we are faithless, this is, this is the beautiful part though. If we're faithless, you ever, you ever done some stupid stuff and you haven't been faithful to God? I have. He says, if we are faithless, he will remain faithful for he cannot disown himself. That's, you know, God will always remain faithful to us, even though we aren't always to him. What a hope. Verse fourteen. This is where he says, "Keep reminding them of these things." You know, he's writing to Timothy as a pastor. So you know, keep keep telling the people in your church, reminding them of these things, and warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value and only ruins those who listen. Now he's he's going to spend a little bit of time here talking about words. Uh, if you'll glance ahead in verse sixteen, he says, "Avoid godless chatter." If you jump down to verse 23, he says, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they only produce quarrels. So part of, the, of this latter part of chapter 2 is, is Paul emphasizing, listen, Timothy, you got some people in your church who are interested have an unhealthy interest in words, and they just quarrel over words and terms and and little you know Christianese and you know things that only the only Christians know, and all these words that then just become they become a, an argument. He said, "Word, it's not worth quarreling over words." He adds there back up in verse fourteen, "It's of no value; only ruins those who listen." Just just words, just Christian words. Now, listen, I, I applaud people who love to dig deep into theological things. But the caution is, and you, you start digging into theological things, that all you want to discuss and debate are theological things. So then you start, you know, are you amillennial or premillennial? Are you pre-trib or mid-trib? You know, are you Calvinist or Arminian? Do you, you, and, and all that stuff, just they just become words, and they ruin people. I, I read this this, uh, to illustrate this, I read this, this funny thing I'll share with you about this guy who, uh, you talk about words and how words and Christians, and you can ruin yourself over it. Uh, so here's the story. This guy was walking across a bridge recently, and he, and he spied this guy who looked like he was ready to jump off. So, so, he's, so he said, I thought I'd try to stall him until the authorities showed up, or at least until I could get my phone out to, well, anyway, to call for help. So, so he says to the guy. Don't jump, I said. Why not, he said. Nope, nobody loves me. God loves you, I said. You believe in God, don't you? Yes, I believe in God, he said. Good, I said. Are you a Christian or are you Jewish? Christian, he said. Me too, I said. Protestant or Catholic? Protestant, he said. Me too, I said. What kind of Protestant? Baptist, he said. Well, me too, I said. Independent Baptist or Southern Baptist. Well independent Baptist, he said. Well, me too, I said. New evangelical slash moderate independent Baptist or Conservative Independent Baptist. He said, Conservative Independent Baptist. I, me too, I said. Calvinistic conservative Independent Baptist or or lose your salvation Arminian conservative independent Baptist. Calvinistic conservative Independent Baptist, he said. Me too, I said. Dispensational, premillennial? Calvinistic, conservative, independent Baptist, or historical, premillennial, Calvinistic, conservative, independent Baptist? Dispensational, premillennial, Calvinistic, conservative, independent Baptist, he said. Me too, I said. (laughs) Unashamed, fundamental, dispensational, premillennial, Calvinistic, conservative, independent Baptist? Or strict separation of church and state, dispensational, premillennial, Calvinistic, conservative, independent Baptist? Unashamed. Fundamental, dispensational, premillennial, Calvinistic, conservative, independent Baptist, he said. Me too, I said. Pro life, unashamed, <laughs> unashamed, fundamentalist, dispensational, premillennial, Calvinistic, conservative, independent Baptist, or pro choice, unashamed, fundamentalist, dispensational, premillennial, Calvinistic, conservative, independent Baptist? Pro life, pro life, unashamed, a fundamentalist, dispensational, premillennial, Calvinistic, conservative, independent Baptist, he said. Me too, I said. King James only? <laughs> Pro life, unashamed, fundamentalist, dispensational, premillennial, Calvinistic, conservative, independent Baptist, or the message? <laughs> Pro life, unashamed, fundamentalist, dispensational, premillennial, Calvinistic, conservative, independent Baptist. The message. Pro life, unashamed, fundamentalist, dispensational, premillennial, Calvinistic, conservative, independent Baptist, he said. Ugh, oh, you heretic, I said, and I pushed him off the bridge. <laughs> See, that's messed up right there. That's messed up. That's messed up over words. But sadly, I know some Christians like that. So stop your quarreling about words. It's of no value. It only ruins those who listen. Verse 15 says, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Now, th- now, this is his instruction specifically for Timothy as a pastor, but this is good for all of us to heed. First of all, to present ourselves to God as approved, one approved. In other words, one approved by God, right? And as I mentioned last week, Galatians 1.10 talks about a, you can only be either a God-pleaser or a man-pleaser, because in Galatians 1.10, Paul writes, for if I desire to please man, I cannot be a servant of God. So if you want the approval of man, then you're a man-pleaser. If you want the approval of God, then you're a God-pleaser. And Paul exhorts Timothy, exhorts all of us through, through his pen here, do your best, present yourself as one approved. In other words, one approved to God. Not, don't worry about what people, what, they, what their approval is. A workman who does not need to be ashamed. Now, again, in chapter 1, we pointed out that he uses the word ashamed five times in this in this second letter here, four times in chapter 1 and then once here in chapter 2. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed, right? Romans one do don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God and for salvation unto all who believe, first for the Jew, then the Gentile. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. And one who correctly handles the word of truth, and some of your translations might say rightly divides the word of truth. In other words, Who is careful, and this is something we're careful to try to do around here at Cornerstone, we're careful to talk about, to explain what the Bible says and what it doesn't say, and the places where the Bible is silent, we have to be silent and look at, at what Scripture says so that we can understand it, so that it's plain and that it's clear, correctly handles, rightly divides, it literally means to cut straight. To cut straight. You have to be careful, you know, when you when you're listening to Bible teaching, that they're cutting straight. Uh, Some and it doesn't take very much to to just go off course slightly. But but even the slightest mishandling of God's word can lead to heresy and has done much damage in people's lives over the years. So uh, be careful that you're a good student yourself of Scripture. So that you can know what is true from what is heresy. And then, of course, here, the caution and the exhortation that he writes here to pastors is that we better be careful. And we, you know, that's why James tells us in James 3 1, not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you who teach will be judged more strictly. And teachers are going to have to give an account to God for how they hopefully correctly handled, rightly divided, cut straight God's word of truth. And in verse 16, he says there, avoid godless chatter. There's that exhortation again about like speech because he says, those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. You know, just godless chatter, you know, gossip, just, just gossip and slander and rumors. You know, that kind of stuff is just, that's godless chatter. And I always encourage people that, you know, don't, don't give ear to the rumor mill. Don't give your, and, and sometimes people will rat rumors as a prayer request. You ever notice that? And it bothers me to no end when people, you know, so I just heard so-and-so's having an affair. Why, why don't you, you know, pray for them? Now, if, if, it, if, it's, if it's your story, that's something different. You know, like my husband or my wife cheated on me. I need prayer. But if you're just relaying information, like so-and-so had an affair and, you know, we need to pray for, it's like, is that gossip or is that really a prayer request? And you will become a magnet for rumors and gossip if you give ear to it. So what I always try to caution people to do is whenever you hear something, you can lovingly hold someone else accountable by simply saying, that sounds like gossip or rumor to me. Is that true or not? Now, most people, nobody's going to own it. Go, yeah, that's that's, that's a rumor. But but at least you've just kind of put them on alert notice And then people will go like, oh, I don't don't think so. Well, it sounds like it is to me, and I don't want to hear it. And they'll stop coming to you. Because if you seem to always be the latest source of the latest information, it could be because you're perceived as a magnet for rumors and gossip. People seem to know that you receive it and hear it and listen to it and like it, and so they'll come to you with more of it. The way you cut that off is by saying, this sounds to me, and you can, you can say it lovingly. You can just say, you know, listen, I, I just want to be loving. But to me, this sounds like gossip, and I don't want to be a part of it. To me, this sounds like rumor. I don't want to listen to it. And don't give place to it. It's just godless chatter. And if you, if you indulge in it, it'll, it'll just become more and more ungodly. That's what he says. In verse 17, he says, their teaching will spread like gangrene. Now, he's going to call out a few guys by name here. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. There's a false teachers here. He says, among them are Hymenius and Philetus, who have wandered away from the truth. Now, the, the name Hymenius he actually called out back in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 20. And Paul in 1 Timothy 1, 20 says, I've turned Hymenaeus over to Satan. So, Paul is not embarrassed Or shy about calling people out by name, he's he's like, I just want to bring to your attention, Timothy. There's there's some false teachers in your midst. There's some people spreading some of these some of this godless chatter. Some of this stuff among them, Hymenius and Philetus, and they've wandered away from the truth. Some of your versions just simply say they've erred from the truth. It's it's just one word in the Greek astokio, and astokio, A, the prefix meaning um, not, and stokos meaning to aim. So basically saying they've missed the mark concerning the truth. And they say, this is their error in verse 18, they say that the resurrection has already taken place, meaning that the resurrection of Christians, so like they're, they're thinking the millennial kingdom has already come, so it's an error, and they destroy the faith of some. But he, But he adds in verse nineteen, nevertheless god 's solid foundation stands firm, right I mean there there will come every now and again false teachers and and uh, and and people who are a part of godless chatter and just you know that are destroying the faith as best as they can, but he adds here, but don't worry because god 's church can never ultimately be destroyed. be aware of them, but God's church can never ultimately be destroyed. Jesus would even say in matthew sixteen eighteen that upon this rock, the profession of Peter's faith, not Peter himself, but the confession that Jesus is Lord, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So if, if, if Jesus says in Matthew six eighteen that not even demons, not even hell, not even Satan himself can destroy the church because the church will march on. Uh, the same is true for false teachers. They won't destroy the church. Because God's God's church is a solid foundation, the true and living church, the bride of Christ. But nevertheless, be aware of them. And because he says, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription, the Lord knows those who are his. And everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. So let me take that first part. He says, the Lord knows those who are his. Now, he's actually quoting, and some of your Bibles have a footnote, Numbers 16, verse 5. The scene in number 16 are three guys who rose up in rebellion against Moses. Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. And they, they, they rebelled against Moses. They, they uh, rebelled against the authority and the leadership of Moses. And that displeased God. So God says to Moses, I want you to ask Dathan, uh, Abiram, and uh, Korah to come to a, a special little, little meeting that I've called. And Moses, okay, Lord. And so he says, uh, Korah, Dathan, Abiram, I want you to come. Bring bring your families, too. Bring all your livestock. Bring all your possessions. God wants to meet with you. They're like, oh, sweet. And so then they show up in the middle of the desert. They're in the Sinai in Numbers chapter 16. And God basically says to Moses then, you can read it later. He says, I want you to go ahead and stand back. What's that, Lord? Stand back, Moses. I'm about to smoke these people. And that's exactly what God does. God God sends down fire from heaven, and then the Bible says that he opens up the earth and swallows them. So like in one moment, they think they're standing there for some grand event, and the next moment, you know, earth is over them, and then Moses is standing there like, that was awesome, wow, that was awesome. So does the Lord know whose are his or not? Yeah, the Lord knows. The Lord knows, and he knows in a big way, those who are his and those who aren't. And then this last part there, everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. So here's this last part where he emphasizes, this is the responsibility of Christians. Turn away from wickedness. Walk in holiness. Live your life in such a way that pleases your commanding officer. Be a good soldier in that, in that regard. But we have to please him, and thus we have to turn away from wickedness. And so he's going to talk about that in the closing verses. Take a look, verse 20. He says, in a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, some, some pretty expensive items, but also of wood and clay. Some rather cheap items. And he says some are for noble purposes and some for ignoble. Now, if you have a New King James or ESV, it doesn't say noble and ignoble. It says uh, honor or dishonor. So he he says some articles in a house made of gold and silver are are honorable. They are valuable. And some are not. They're they're wood. They're clay. They're, they're, They're dishonorable. They're not worth anything. And he says, and he's using this analogy, verse 21, if a man cleanses himself from the latter... That is to say, those things that dishonor, then he will be an instrument for noble purposes made wholly useful to the master and prepared to do any good work. And so he puts that on us. He says, listen, it's, you know, for God's sake so of the world, he gave, all right? He purchased, he bought, he initiated, he went after us, he pursued, okay? But now there is a responsibility we have in in working out our salvation in pursuing holiness and godliness wanting to please our father and so we need to get rid we need to deal with dishonorable stuff in our lives there's some stuff in our lives that are pretty precious and valuable and there's some stuff in our lives that we all know if we did our own little inventory junk just junk in our lives we need to get rid of and and that takes A person who wants to be obedient to god and thus begins to examine his or her heart here's some junk some ignoble or dishonorable stuff in my life i need to clean house i need to get rid of why so that i might be a vessel that is holy unto the lord and then i'm more usable see god's not going to use a dishonorable vessel because it's a poor reflection of him and so God is looking for people, not perfect people. He he knows we're all in process, but we've all been, you know, justified, but still in our flesh, we're going to we're going to do some stupid sinful things. But the point is though, are we man enough and woman enough to look at our lives before God, examine ourselves and say, that needs to go? And this needs to go. And i got to purge this and give this to the Lord. And, Lord, I want you to just remove this and then strengthen my life that I could walk in holiness before you so that I might be made useful to the Master and prepared to do any good work. And along this theme, he adds, verse 22, flee the evil desires of youth. I'm not sure how, how much of it is only restricted to youthfulness. But the idea of lusts or passions and not just flee, pursue righteousness, pursue faith, pursue love, pursue peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart, purity, holiness. You see, you see his emphasis here. He says, Verse verse 23, let's just finish out the chapter here. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels, and the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful i got to be honest with you, as a pastor, I mean, you know, this verse slays me. I just gotta, there's some times, because you know. I mean, you know your own flesh enough. I know my own flesh enough. When when somebody says something wrong or false or um, hurtful or mean, don't you want to be mean back. Don't look at me so piously. You, you, I, know, I know there's some times I just want to do. And then this verse comes to my mind, like, the Lord's servant must not quarrel, must be kind to everyone. Why, why? Why right here and now? Can I just, just be like a computer salesman right now? You know, I don't want to be a pastor because I don't want to be kind right now, and I don't. I want to be anyway. So I'm just I'm speaking my own conviction right here, but that's the way it is. Lord, sir, must not quarrel. Stem must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Boy, there's some stories I could tell, but I, Holy Spirit has put a guard over my mouth right here. Uh, he says those who oppose him he must gently instruct in the hope that god will grant them repentance leading them to a knowledge of the truth and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will you know sometimes i think only paul can get by saying stuff like that i mean if any of us said you know what you're just captive to the devil that's what you are you're captive to the devil. People be like, don't you judge me. That's judging, judging me. I mean, only Paul can really say this, but um, he knows what he's saying. Some people just need to come to their senses because the reality is some people are under the influence of, of the devil. And may God help us not to be that kind of person who is fallen under the trap of the devil and being taken captive to do his will. May we strive always to live lives that are working at our salvation in holiness and in godliness, wanting to please our commanding officer and taking inventory of our lives. What are some things, Lord, about my house you want to clean? Let me get rid of those dishonorable things that I might be a vessel of honor that you can use for your glory. Amen
0: is jump in and you'll find the Cornerstone's your connection, run towards your new life. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. You've been listening to a teaching from a series in the book of 2 Timothy. In this letter from Paul to Timothy... The older missionary mentions how he has accomplished what he set out to do as a prisoner for Christ. There's contentment, even in uncertain and dire circumstances, that what he'd done to further Christ's message was enough. Paul wanted Timothy to hear these words to comfort and give Timothy a boldness to be able to proclaim the same message. Could you speak a similar message to those you're around? that what you've done for Christ would be pleasing to God? What would people say about your testimony at the end of your life? 2 Timothy is a great example of how Paul finished his life well, according to God's standards. We encourage you to keep reading in 2 Timothy for more great insights from Paul to Timothy. If you missed any part of today's message or would like to explore other books of the Bible with Pastor Gary, visit CornerstoneConnection.cc today. You can listen online or you can download our mobile app to take these teachings on the go. Join us again next time for more in 2 Timothy, here on Cornerstone Connection.